Morning Liberty. Well, what is up, all of our Liberty-loving friends? This is another fantastic episode of the Good Morning Liberty podcast. My name is Nate Thurston, and across the desk from me is Charles, second tallest libertarian. Thompson, what is up today, Chuck? Oh, we just got the saddest news ever. Saddest breaking news, kind it, of. I it, mean, I don't, it is news. It's, it is news. I don't know how sad it is for, for everyone, but, uh, you know, look, Amazon is near and dear to my heart. I use it just about every day. In fact, I placed an order last night for Amazon. It's one of the greatest inventions because you see, I don't like leaving my house really, unless I'm going to do something fun. So I don't like to grocery shop. I don't like to go to Walmart or any other retail stores. I like to do everything online and have it shipped to my house for free. Even though I pay $200 a year for it, it's still for free in my opinion. Um, and so I use everything, just about everything Amazon has to offer. And, uh, Jeff Bezos is now as a, just announced on their earnings conference call, I believe that he's going to step down as CEO and is going to take an executive chair position. So he's still going to be involved with Amazon, but he's turning over, um, turning it over, turning over a new leaf. Yeah. Right. Yeah, sorry, uh, everyone watching the video. I'm seeing the comments. I can't fix, uh, I can't fix the sound today. If you're watching on Patreon, if you're a Patreon subscriber, then you're watching on either Facebook or YouTube today. And it looks like maybe the streaming system that I'm using to send out to most multiple devices is having a little bit of a lag problem right now. Guess what? Um, some people in Africa don't have food or water, so. <laughs> Everyone's just gonna have to. No, well, I'll figure out what's going on because I don't, I don't like that. And then we'll be switching over for the Patreon supporters to Discord here in a couple days because it's like it's so quick and seamless and easy, and it'll be a nice little private chat for all of us to hang out. So anyway, yeah, I'm kind of, I'm interested in this Jeff Bezos news. I don't know what's going on. Um, I'll, just, I'll read you a little bit from the letter here, but before, uh, just so everyone is aware, if you don't know who Bezos is, he's the most hated billionaire uh, alive. He founded <laughs> uh, Amazon in 1994 and since then has morphed it from an online bookstore. Remember, Amazon started as a bookstore into a mega online retailer, uh, which they own about or they they yeah, they own about 33 percent of e-commerce, I think. Uh, which is clearly a monopoly. That's a monopoly. Yeah. yeah monopoly is when it's you and a bunch of other options together yeah. in the same market. Yeah. As long as you got the most of, yeah. of it. You, yeah. you create a website where hundreds of thousands of businesses can use your website to sell their products and, and you have a monopoly. And it's just, yeah, exactly. That's, that's obviously what it is. You created the greatest monopoly known to humankind. So anyway, Amazon surpassed a $1 trillion market cap valuation under Bezos's leadership. So here's the letter. It's a full letter. I don't know if I'll read this whole thing or not. Um, but uh, Jeff Bezos on the, on the earnings call said, fellow Amazonians, which by the way, they beat earnings. They doubled earnings expectations, <laughs> which is just That's crazy. Insane. I think they did the same thing last time yeah. too. He said, and the, the stock, the price is falling. I guarantee you it's falling because Jeff Bezos is stepping down. Mm -hmm. I'm excited to announce that this Q3, I'll transition to executive chair of the Amazon board and Andy Jassy will become CEO. In the executive chair role, I intend to focus my energies and attention on new products and early initiatives. Andy is well known inside the company and has been at Amazon almost as long as I have. He will be an outstanding leader and he has my full confidence, which means he's probably doing more stuff with like Blue Origin and mm -hmm, other mm -hmm. things like that. Uh, you know, Bezos has always said that his goal really was to use Amazon as a vehicle to fund his space uh, aspirations yeah. that he has. So, uh, uh, you know, I, I hope Amazon keeps it keeps it going. Obviously, Bezos is still going to be a part of it. So this will be really interesting to see what their stock price does. It is taking some wild swings in the after hours right now. Whilst it's like your drunk friend late late night at the bar just taking swings at you when you don't even know what's going on. It's game. That's, it's GameStop with money. <laughs> um, he says this journey began some 27 years ago. Amazon was only an idea and it had no name. The question I was asked most frequently at the time was, "What's the internet?" Blessedly, I haven't had to explain that in a long while. 
Today, we employ 1.3 million talented, dedicated people, serve hundreds of millions of customers and businesses, and we are widely recognized as one of the most successful companies in the world, which makes us also widely recognized as one of the most hated companies in the world. <laughs> and he said, how did that happen? Invention. Well, invention is the root of our success. We've done crazy things together and then made them normal. We pioneered customer reviews. Amazon invented customer reviews, by the way. Things you use every single day. When you go somewhere to a restaurant or maybe you're going on vacation, or you're looking at hotels, everything's based on the review system now. You want to you buy into what your peers have said about that thing. I know I look at, I don't do anything less than a four-star review. That's, <laughs> I'm a four and five-star kind of guy. All right. Um, just like this podcast is a five-star podcast. You're welcome uh, for that. So they uh, they have the one click, so you can buy with one click. They they invent, uh, invented that personalized recommendations, the fast shipping, uh, the just walk out shopping. By the way, which they don't have everywhere, but that's pretty cool. Of course, the climate pledge. Can't forget that they've got the Akinda, the Kindle, Alexa, the marketplace, and infrastructure cloud computing, which actually is their most profitable business line. By the way, it's Amazon Web Servers. And by the way, the former CEO of AWS is now going to be the CEO of Amazon. Yes. Same oh, guy. Yeah. So that's that Andy Andy guy, right? Yeah. Andy, Andy Jassy. Yeah. Mr. Jassy. Anyway, um, he you know, he goes on to say a bunch of things about how he's um, probably sad. And he says, uh, as executive chair, I will stay engaged in important Amazon initiatives but also have the time and energy I need to focus on the day one fund, the Bezos earth fund, blue origin, the Washington post and my other passions. I've never had more energy and this isn't about retiring. I'm super passionate about the impact. I think these organizations can have. So essentially he's pivoting as we mentioned earlier, but, um, but yeah, this is interesting. Um, didn't expect that. No, no, that's I did not expect that to happen at all. But this happens a lot with all the all the big companies. You eventually see something like this happen. You never know. He might be back as a CEO eventually. I don't even remember even Apple removed Steve Jobs as their CEO, and that, that wasn't really voluntary. I saw the movie; it wasn't voluntary. No. So uh, you know, this is I think it's probably going to be a good move for them. But Charlie, I wanted you to tell us about some good news before we get on to all the regulation talk about what this kid did with his GameStop stock earnings. He was one of the lucky ones that got out when he was still up on his position because a lot of people... Well, first of all, he wasn't hosed. supposed to sell. No. He was supposed to have diamond hands. He broke the rules. Yeah. I don't know why he cashed in his tendies. He's part of the problem. <laughs> this is why the stock's falling. Yeah. He cashed in some tendies. All right. <laughs> this is coming from a local uh, KVS-12. I believe that's... Uh, that's our. That's, that's back home. That's back home. But this is out of Stillwater, Minnesota. Young man cashes in on GameStop stock stonk. <laughs> buys Nintendo Switches for Children's Hospital. A college student from Minnesota cashed in on his GameStop investment. But instead of keeping the money, he used it to help children in the hospital. You're telling me he didn't keep any of the money? I don't know. He, he Hunter only Khan, 20, <laughs> was one of many people on Reddit who recently helped propel GameStop stock to new heights. He used the money to donate six Nintendo Switch consoles and games to the Children's Minnesota Hospital in Minneapolis. Quote, I love video games. I know it would be a terrible, uh, it would be terrible being a kid in the hospital with no joy helping them through. He said his post on Reddit about his donation has received more than 180,000 upvotes. Many amateur investors like Khan on the Reddit forum Wall Street Bets purchased GameStop stock to beat wealthy hedge funds at their own game. And a lot of them succeeded. A lot of quote, a lot of people are saying that this is somewhat like a transfer of power, but if the money is going from here just to the other side, there is no difference. If we just are acting the same way as people that we're criticizing. So I think it's important that we don't blame men in suits ourselves and use our money for good. Khan said, how about that? Despite his success, Khan has no plans to work in finance. He's <laughs> an engineering student who says he wants to build spaceships for Elon Musk. So nice. Hey, you know, there are people I saw one uh, today because obviously we're in the market. You guys know that. And uh, so, of course, I'm following along with what's going on in the message forums and things like that. By the way, I feel like I was in early on Wall Street bets because I was like I was added to the subreddit. I was like 
in the 2 million, like right at the beginning of 2 million members. It now has over 8 million members. <laughs> so I was in the first, I was in the first 20%. Congrats. So I feel, I feel lucky. You feel special? I feel early. But anyway, um, I saw a post today where a dude was up, like he was up $1.2 million and he says he hasn't sold. So it's like, I, and he lost literally half of his account today. He's only up like 500,000 now. So he lost like $700,000 today. Ooh. So, um, I don't know. There's some people that are saying they're not, they're not stopping. They're not, they're going to hold. Um, we'll see what happens, but we talked about this. This is what happens. Stocks go up. Stonks go up really. Yeah. And if you're like Tesla, if it's a Tesla stonk, then it never goes down. <laughs> it just keeps going just, up. It has a pullback. But see, Tesla has value behind it and GameStop doesn't Yet. really. It's It's got maybe potential value at around $60 a share sometime mm -hmm. here, two or three years in the future, something like that. But uh, this, uh, the really cool part of this story is really what I, the last thing he said which is if we're just acting the same way as the people that we're criticizing. So he says there is no difference if we're acting the same as the people that we're criticizing. So I think it's important we don't become men in suits ourselves and use our money for good. Now, I doubt I agree completely with his sentiment about men in suits. I don't think there's anything wrong with people who wear a suit and go to work, work in finance. But I do like that he is taking some matters into his own hands and he made some money off of it and he decided I'm going to use this money to do something good. Mm -hmm. And that is what we want people to do. Yeah. Actually, is to, is to take money and use it for good in some kind of way. The literal, and that's what I have to say after every sentence. Looks like the literal free market is helping children. How in about hospitals. that? That's strange. I thought we were a country run off greed. Mm hmm. Okay, so there's your only bit of good news. Also, Bezos <laughs> stepping down as CEO of Amazon. I mean, I thought the guy was greedy. Yeah, uh, uh, he's going to lose billions overnight, more than likely. Probably. Okay, so there, the Pete Buttigieg was, I believe, confirmed as the uh, transportation secretary, whatever it is. Marode's secretary is what he was signed in <laughs> as today. The one job that the government needs to do. That's why we have taxes. The only reason we have taxes is for what Pete Buttigieg is going to be controlling right now. And there's nothing else that we need it for whatsoever. It's the roads. All right. So there's a problem here because Pete Buttigieg might actually think that we need to raise the the gas tax and of course this is also going to go in line with this whole climate agenda this green climate agenda because of course what they want to do is they want to make it harder for people to use fossil fuels and the things that you tax you get less of and you subsidize you get more of so they're going to subsidize green energy they're going to tax fossil fuels that's just something that's going to happen so this great article from fee here gas taxes may soon increase here's why that's especially bad news for the poor and middle class and so maybe we should consider what some of these policies would would do. Like when we're going to run this whole campaign and we're going to talk and we're going to virtue signal all the time about how we're going to hurt how we're going to hurt people, how we're going to help people that are in a bad way. I don't really think making gas more expensive is one of them. Uh, but I believe this is from Hannah Cox at Fee. The topic was brought up by Republican Senator Rick Scott, who can has Buddha Judge. Wait, can we first talk about how? Everyone on Twitter, even including Buttigieg himself, is talking about he's the first gay cabinet member yeah. and how that's not true. I just, well, he's the first, I think, like head of a department is what is the actual well, thing. Richard Green, Green yeah. Grinnell, I think is his name. He's the, the acting director of national intelligence. That's right. But he wasn't, so, um, he wasn't. And he was also sworn you know, in with his husband there. That is. Saw the video. Well, the problem is that wasn't in this administration, and this administration is a bunch of firsts. I know you can't you can't have, say Pete so Buttigieg is last. I can't say that. I just think that's so funny. He's got to be first. So the, how they're touting that? Thank <laughs> <Like> you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to repeat it on the podcast, but to. that was good. Special. <laughs> Magoo said, Mayor Pete about to tax that gas. <laughs> <laughs> okay. The topic was brought up by Republican Senator Rick Scott, who asked Buttigieg uh, if he might support a gas tax increase. Uh, Buttigieg responded, well, I think all options need to be on the table. As you know, the gas tax has not been increased since 1993. And that's, 
Isn't that a perfect argument for We haven't increased this tax since 1993. So, so we, we should got, increase it. We have to increase it. It's, it's <laughs> never been pegged to inflation, he and says. That's a, and that's a terrible... <laughs> That's a terrible argument because the tax is a percentage of something. So the percentage should be able to stay constant and you would be making more money as there's more, you know, use in that sector. You don't have to keep, it's not like it's the year 2100. So the gas tax needs to be 99%, <laughs> right? you know, that's a terrible argument. Yeah. It's, it's not a good argument I at mean, all. We have one of the lowest gas taxes in all the world. We're the only major developed country, <laughs> Nate, that has a low gas tax. So it says the gas tax hasn't been raised since 1993. It's one of the reasons why the current state of the highway trust fund is that is is that there's going to be more going out than there is coming in. So the, the reason the highway trust fund is losing money is because we haven't raised the gas tax. Yeah, it's not because they're terrible at spending money. It's because we haven't raised the tax since 1993, since 1993. Yeah. You shouldn't be able to keep the same percentage raking in on something. And as there's more use, because there's more use, obviously, and you would make more money off of that. And then you would spend that, within that budget price fluctuation yeah. as well. So gas goes up, gas goes down, <laughs> Jeff. make more. So thanks for letting me know, Jeff. <laughs> I appreciate it. Okay, the need for infrastructure development. The Highway Trust Fund is now is how the U.S. pays for federal government spending on highway and mass transit. This is the Highway Trust Fund is the Marauds Fund. All right. In recent years, the fund has become insolvent. Who would have thought that something like that would have? <laughs> this is a shock. I am shocked right now. It's become insolvent. Are you kidding uh -huh. me? How are we going to have roads? Since 2008, Congress has propped the fund up by transferring $140 billion of general revenues to it. But shortfalls are still expected by 2021 and is projected to get worse from here. According to the CBO, 2030 projections show that the fund's commitments will exceed its revenues by $134 billion for the highway fund and $54 billion for the mass transit side. Guys, the government's really bad at spending money. What are they, okay. what are they doing? I don't know. I no idea what they're doing. Okay, so over there, she goes on what to talk going about on? the gas tax. How do you not, how do you misappropriate this much money? Which is nothing compared to the Department of Defense. So don't get me started on that. It's just this is like this is the ultimate argument. It's because they don't actually care. No, they don't care. They give their contracts to their buddies, uh, the people who are going to put more money in their pocket, and that's how this whole thing works. They don't actually care about your roads because it doesn't matter to them. Their, your money doesn't matter. It's not their money. They're never going to get in trouble either. Could you imagine if you were a CEO of a company that ran these kind of numbers? What do you think would happen to you? You'd probably get a bailout. You, no, you go out of business. Yeah, you would go out of <laughs> what business. Happens. And, and you would even get a chance to run these kind of numbers, by the way. It's like this. There's no accountability. This is what makes me so angry about government. This is why I can't understand the argument like, oh, I hate corporations more than government. At least corporations have accountability to the market, right? To, to the people who are giving to, them money exactly. freely. Yeah. If you mess up, well, no more money for you. Okay. <laughs> Hannah goes on to say the gas tax is regressive. She's right about that. The question is not whether we need better transportation infrastructure. It's how to pay for it. And an increase in the federal gas tax should be out of the question. Gas taxes, both those imposed federally or at the state level, are regressive. Regressive tax structures are those that, when applied uniformly, take a larger percentage of income from low earners than high earners. A progressive tax, in contrast, is one that takes a larger percentage of income from higher earners than others. So, really good explanation of what a regressive tax would be. It takes a higher percentage of income from low earners. Mm -hmm. Progressive tax, higher percentage of income from high earners. Even though technically the tax is a, is a flat tax, mm -hmm. because it's, you know at the federal level they're going to tax whatever, what is it, like 28 cents or something like that. Mm -hmm. um, so every gallon of gas is going to have 28 cents, but it's going to affect poor people more because 28 cents when you're only making, you know, 20 grand a year versus a million dollars a year, well, that's a pretty big difference. Yeah. The guy making a million dollars a year is like, I don't care. It's, I will I will pour gas all over my souped <laughs> up F1 3000 <laughs> Raptor with 
mud flappers on the back end. And it's got the 4x4 four four positive track on the rear dash. suspension. Yeah, it's pretty good. Yeah. And the plasma mud inch tires. The, the, the liberal leaning Massachusetts Budget and Policy, Policy Center reports. By the way, all this is going to culminate into a beautiful story at the end of the podcast after we talk about regulations for a couple stories mm. with what's going on in the old Biden house over there. The liberal leaning Massachusetts Budget and Policy Center reports that gas taxes hit low and moderate income earners are hardest, especially those who live in rural areas and may drive long distances for basic supplies. This is another thing that people from Washington and New York, people who live in big cities don't really understand. And even I, I don't, I don't buy very much gas. I, I buy gas like every couple weeks, something like that. Mm -hmm. And I go to work every single day. But when, when we were growing up, you got to drive 25 minutes to get to a, to get to a Walmart. And that's 25 get to the gas station. Yeah, yeah. And that's, you know, and, and I'm not talking like 25 minutes in traffic, like in Nashville, when you I travel you two walk, hours, I bet you walked to school on the snow up hills both way. Man. I did, man. I'll tell you sure what, did. Uh, I should have gone back down the hill, but it was, you know, it's just the direction you're supposed you go to go uphill one know. way uphill. The yeah. others, that's it. You know, you didn't even have snowshoes either. Cause we both grew up in trailers. <laughs> the impact of this tax on the poor middle class or income earners is not negligible. For the vast majority of Americans, transportation is an essential good. And they go on to say here, the average American spends roughly 13% of their income on transportation. But that cost is not consistent across income brackets. Of course, because uh, transportation is going to be kind of a flat cost for everyone. So if you're making a million dollars a year, well, then you're still spending maybe the same amount, except for you've got your Tesla instead, something like that, mm -hmm. once you're not spending any gas. So yeah, whatever, that's a terrible argument. But you guys, you guys get the picture. Then if, like Charlie was saying, if you're making $20,000 a year and you're spending the same amount of money on gas as someone who makes a million, obviously it hits you a lot harder. What I really, what I really like down here, um, Albert, is it Camus? Camus? I don't know. The French philosopher and journalist once said, it is no more immoral to directly rob citizens than to slip indirect taxes into the price of goods that they cannot do without. The gas tax is a purple, a purple example, perfect example of such a case. He which, didn't say that because they didn't have a gas tax at that time. Which in you know ten years is not going to matter because we're going to an EV standard. Now. Yeah, I know. So they're going to have to. They're going to have to pivot to an electric tax. Well, they'll be. You know, they've talked a lot about per mile taxes, and and essentially when you at the end of the year, you're going to end up having to put how many miles you put on your car, and you're going to be taxed based on that. So there'll be a whole new market opening up for cracking open the dashboard and dialing back those miles. I just That's, write off all those miles. Yeah. They give you, I'd earn those miles. They, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, travel in Denver to see your whore. Now, here, here's, the good, here's the good thing that Hannah did at the end of this. Everyone should do this at the end of the articles. Solutions. Solutions. Thank you, Hannah, for putting this at the end of it. We need to have her back on the show sometime now that you she's do. writing for fee. Mm -hmm. She has her own show now, too, by the Does way. Does she? It's called Based, if you want to go check it out. <laughs> You're wrong. Making fun of my purple. Better solutions. One such option would be for the federal government to cut spending. <laughs> what? What? We what? can't do that. No, know. we got to raise the tax. Yeah. If we're we going to raise the tax. If we're getting close to not spending our budget, well, you bet your ass we're going to buy some lobsters. All right. <laughs> At the end of 2020, Senator Rand Paul released his annual Festivus report where he found over $54 billion in government waste. And one need look no further than last year's stimulus package, chock full of crony special favors and pork, for example, of how the federal government blows our resources. And this is what you have to tell them when they say there's no other option other than raising the gas tax. We're running out of money. Our infrastructure is crumbling. It's crumbling. It's crumbling. <laughs> it's crumbling beneath us. <laughs> Another option would be to simply stop crowding out private enterprises' capacity to improve our transportation infrastructure. Companies like Uber, Tesla, and the Boring Company are light years ahead of the federal government. Why is that? Because they have a profit motive. Mm -hmm. As fee contributor Matthew Boyer points out, these those companies are made up of researchers, engineers, and tech titans, not bureaucrats. These folks are the heart of the problems, and it's their job to find a solution. They're at the heart of the problem, and it's their job to find the solution. Why would those companies want to find the solution to this? Mm. Because they don't make any money if we don't have any roads. They don't make any money. And they don't make any money if they don't find a solution. <laughs> they have to actually solve the problem and make it viable. They have to make it profitable, or the company is not going to exist. And mm -hmm. so they have to find solutions. 
And he says, they're experts in their fields. If you wouldn't trust a politician to be your doctor, why would you trust them to be your engineer? There's no question that the free market could deliver better, faster products and usually at a cheaper price than the federal government. Great stuff from Fee right there. I'll put a link to it in the show notes. A man and a woman. Say it again. Mm -mm. Mm -mm. (laughs) Oh, my Lord. All right. Low, low. Yeah, here preaching solutions. I got a... a, um, Oh, more more regulations that are going to help the little guy, Charlie. Of course. How about this? That's just the way it is, man. Obviously, I was cruising the Fee's website before the podcast. Yeah, this is again from Fee. Uh, it says, local Kroger stores close as California hero pay ordinance backfires. Didn't they have other things that backfire in California as well? It's oh, just yeah. what an interesting state. They don't clean their floors. Yeah. You know? That's backfired. So a new hero pay mandate in Long Beach, California, has inadvertently cost some frontline grocery workers their jobs. Mm. Thanks for being a hero. You're fired. Because <laughs> we can't pay you hero pay. Quote, Ralph's and Food for Less, both owned by the parent company Kroger. Look at those dirty, greedy Kroger owners let's look at the kr what are they doing right now they own they own everything man <laughs> announced monday that they will be closing 25 percent of their stores in long beach after the city council passed an ordinance requiring companies with over 300 employees nationwide because why would employees nationwide matter to the state <laughs> to pay employees an extra four dollars per hour local news outlet fox 11 reports and so and so what does kroger do Ah, well, we're going to close. We're going to close stores. Yeah. Some people are going to get hero pay. Some people are going to get zero pay. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Just went from hero to zero. <laughs> Company spokesperson directly <laughs> cited the city council's ordinance mandating higher wages. That's the reason they are closing down. But, of course, the left isn't going to believe this. They're just going to be like, oh, these greedy people They're just costing greedy. people their jobs. If you can't afford to pay people $18 an hour, <laughs> then you shouldn't be in business. Also, you charge too much for your stuff and you need to lower all your prices. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. We need to start doing that. Have you seen what Austin Peterson's been doing? I did one last night, actually. It's so good. It's a good it's idea. so hilarious. Yeah. He's just been tweeting out things like uh, universal health care is a white supremacist idea. <laughs> it's a good idea. <laughs> did he actually get a response from AOC? Um, I don't know. I was <laughs> so good. I posted one last night, late at night. This could have been post-ambient. I'm not really sure. Like, Hero Pay was, is an old... KKK I said, slogan. <laughs> I said, source, majority of white supremacists believe that taxes are the price we pay to live in a civilized society. <laughs> there nice. you go. Quote, this is from the Kroger spokesperson. The irreparable harm that will come to employees and local citizens as a direct result of the city of Long Beach's attempt to pick winners and losers is deeply unfortunate, the spokesperson said. We are truly saddened that our associates and customers will ultimately be the real victims of the city council's actions because th- these have real world consequences, folks. The, the the city council gets to be on their high horse and be like, look what we did. They get retweets. We're mandating this. Look at all the retweets we're getting. We're the heroes helping the heroes. And then what happens if they leave town? No one thinks about this. Remember that college girl on Neil Cavuto? When he was yeah. like, well, what if all the rich people leave? Well, there's always going to be a 1%. What happens if Kroger shuts down their business? There's always going to be a Kroger. <laughs> we can force them to pay people four more dollars an hour. And the truth is you can't because business comes down to numbers. You have to have more coming in than it's going out. Otherwise, you're not a business. You're a charity. I wonder if they think the people are better off now. They were making $14 an hour already working at Kroger, $14 an hour. It's the minimum wage in that in uh, Long Beach already. And now they're not making anything. Although they are making unemployment. Is it still you still get yeah. an extra 300 bucks a week? What's the math? Um, this is how you see. create more people dependent on the I know, I know. They'll keep voting these terrible people in. The ordinance was passed with the stated intention. Of course, the road to hell is paved with good intentions, folks. Of rewarding, unless you don't believe in hell, then uh, I guess the road to... Uh, Serfdom serfdom yeah, and peasantry <laughs> um, by the way speaking of that I know I deviate a lot but I heard something the other day I was watching a video uh, I believe it was Peter it was Peter Schiff on meet Kevin I don't know if you guys seen meet Kevin I'm, I'm new to the meet Kevin YouTube 
whatever. He's got like over a million people on there. Anyway, he interviewed, he interviewed Peter Schiff for like an hour and a half and it was actually really good. You should go check it out. Um, but Peter Schiff was talking about, uh, the word serf or peasant back in the feudal days was when you obviously you worked the land. So you weren't uh, of royalty whatsoever. And the tax that you owed to your Lord, by the way. So uh, the tomatoes you grew or the grain that you sowed, whatever uh, the tax you owed to your Lord and uh, was 25%. Mm. So what? So being a serf was 25% of your income. It's like <laughs> the, the the uh, product of your labor, the fruits of your labor, like legit fruits, the actual fruits, the actual fruits labor. and vegetables of your labor <laughs> and the cows and the milk and whatever, everything. It was 25%. And that was a surf back then. Now we're upwards of 30, 40, 50% on some folks, especially in California. It's like 55, 60% by the time you get done paying everything. So anyway, and so this is all done with good intentions, folks. So of course, you know, Kroger's the enemy here. We have to, uh, point that out. The ordinance was passed with the stated intention of rewarding hardworking grocery store employees who have kept a vital service running throughout the COVID-19 pandemic. Long Beach Mayor Robert Garcia was a key proponent of the measure and signed it into law. He argues it is justified because grocery store workers, quote, have been on the front lines of this pandemic and deserve this support. They deserve it. Well, I didn't know they deserved it. Yeah. Well, that changes everything. And and the rest of the economy tanking was your fault, Mr. Mayor. You're the one who imposed some of the lockdowns. So uh, Sam said those serfs should have unionized. <laughs> <clears throat> you know, I think unions uh, a big white supremacist club. Yeah, it is That's what unions are. Unions are for white supremacists. Exactly. So anyway, this is a. Uh, you know, this is what we always say will happen. And of course, everybody's like, well, that doesn't happen. Point me to a story where that happens. Here's one. This is where it happens. Is that a fat Bill Clinton? I don't know. Is that what that was? That was, uh, that's what I imagine like a, a, uh, like a fat, uh, video gamer, uh, <laughs> liberal sitting in his mom's basement <laughs> playing, eating, he's got a Cheeto hanging out of his mouth. <laughs> Playing, uh, I don't know. He's got Cheeto in his beard. What do you play He's now? Sitting there. What do they play now? They I have no idea. Zelda Fortnite. Fortnite. Is that a yeah. thing? Yeah. Not that. I hey, I like video games. If you if you play video games, I'm not against you or anything. I'm just I'm just picturing that kind of person in my head. Who's <laughs> responding to this article? Got a couple tweets in here from the mayor himself, Was Robert this dumb, Garcia. Dumb bleep Tuesday now. <clears throat> it seems like it. Seems like it. Um. Did you want to read them? You want me to read them? Still part of the same story. Yeah. So a tweet from uh, Robert Garcia. He says, tomorrow on the day we inaugurate our new president, I'll sign into law a $4 an hour hero pay increase to our hardworking grocery and supermarket workers. They have been on the front lines of this pandemic and deserve this support. So it's just, this is government stepping into business and deciding Whatever. Similarly, Garcia and other supporters of the mandated wage uh, hike argue that companies are just being selfish by closing down rather than paying their workers more. They're just being selfish. They're selfish. They point to the fact that Kroger has seen high levels of profit this year. Uh, Robert Garcia again. When large corporations make record profits and double their earnings, they need to share that success with those providing the labor, period. Which, by the way, they did. They gave out bonuses and all kinds of stuff. And they also, they're talking about a national chain, probably internet. I don't know if they're international or not, but talking about a national grocery store chain and talking about that grocery store chain's record profits. But that grocery store chain is not just going to keep on a bunch of uh, branches or whatever, different, gro- <laughs> different, uh, different places open that are losing money all the time that's not how you make record profits by the way no you don't keep on a whole bunch of places or losing money that's that's not what you do and so they're going to close down the ones where they're losing money because if you take this principle and you just kind of apply it outwards to everything well it's not going to work because then they wouldn't be making any of their profits and then they wouldn't be able to keep any of their stores open so to keep all their other stores open around the country, what they're going to have to do is cut the dead weight where they're losing money. Mm-hmm. And that's what this guy's forcing them to do. Whether do good politicians feel workers deserve it or not, the reality is that some grocery store employees don't provide labor that is worth $18 an hour, and some stores cannot afford to pay such an artificially high price. The basic laws of supply and demand tell us what comes next. 
The government's supposed to uh, supposed benevolence will leave a significant number of workers unemployed. The specific incident of wage mandates backfiring is just one example of a much broader trend. On the national level, the Fight for 15 movement demanding a $15 federal minimum wage uh, ostensibly seeks to help workers. In reality, the nonpartisan Congressional Budget Office projects that this policy would eliminate 1.3 to 3.7 million jobs. Mm. A wealth of economic research mm. similarly shows that minimum wage hikes cause unemployment. But we live in a day and age where facts don't matter. Um, I was having this argument with somebody on our Instagram the other day who was calling Thomas Sowell uh, just a hack, <laughs> that he was a grifter, a guy who just did nothing, just wrote books and wasn't actually out there doing anything. And then he said, finally, he knew, he came out as a, as a liberal because he was like, yeah, let's just make the minimum wage $5 and starve all the poor people or whatever. I'm like, you clearly haven't read any of his work. You have nothing like, like you have no idea what Thomas Sowell writes about yeah, at all. Exactly. And he said that he, he does like Thomas Sowell doesn't debate people because he would get smoked. I'm like, have you go back and watch Milton Friedman's free to choose on YouTube when Thomas Sowell was debating people yeah. and he smoked them. <laughs> like the guy did debate people clearly. Like he's just, he's it's, 92 years old right now. Right. He won all the debates already. <laughs> right. He doesn't need to do any more debates. The guy just wants to take pictures. He now. can't debate any harder. He's okay. <laughs> he's all debated out. He's tired. <laughs> all right. But what's, uh, but what's funny about that is I told him, I was like, well, clearly you need to go read basic, basic economics. That's, because minimum wage always hurts people because look, it doesn't matter what arbitrary number the government makes it. They can make it 18. They can make it 15. They can make it a hundred. They could make it a million dollars an hour. The real minimum wage is still zero. Absolutely zero. It matters what value your labor because your labor is a commodity. Okay. Which is because labor is consumed, right? You are a person that has energy that can produce so much things. That's a commodity. Okay. And then that has a value to it and it has to be, uh, the cost for that commodity has to be less than what the profits are. And then you also have to take into account the fact that you're not the only person that can do what you do. If you're the only person that can do what you do and it's highly valued, then you can demand a certain wage for that. But when it's you, and tens of millions of other people or actually almost every other person of working age in the country can also do the same thing that you can do, then you're not going to be able to demand that you make a higher wage because you can always just be replaced by someone else who's willing to work for less, which is why they want the minimum wage law in the first place, because they don't want people to be able to come in and say they'll work for less. And what this person that you were talking to who says, why don't we just make the minimum wage $5 an hour? You could do that and it would affect almost no one. They're not just going to start paying people $5 an hour. Mm -hmm. That's It's not going to happen. Walmart's minimum wage is $11 an hour. Amazon's is $15 an hour. Target's 15, 13 15 something like that. And so these companies have already done this. It's, it's 1% to 2% of the workforce makes the federal minimum wage. And most of those people are people who are, you're, you realize there's a lot of young people when they come into a new job, they can start at the federal minimum wage if the state is going to allow that sort of thing. And so you're not looking at the same people who remain at the federal minimum wage for their entire lives. You're talking about an ever-changing group of people that's always refreshed with new people every single month. Some people got moved up, new people came into the workforce. Some people got moved up, new people came into the workforce. And so there's always a certain amount of people who just started off. Sure, there's some who have never been able to raise their value enough to demand a higher wage, okay? Sure, that's going to happen. But the bulk of these numbers are people who are just starting off, young people, people who are teenagers that are getting their first job, who, who need to try and learn some skills, who need to get something on their resume. And, of course, as we all know, everyone who's listening this far into the podcast knows, those minimum wage laws are just going to hurt those people. And so that's what's going to happen. And Maurice is right. Um, straight capping on YouTube. Uh, the <laughs> origins of minimum wage is racist, so he should be against it. Well, and Jeff even mentioned Thomas Soul bashing is a sign of white supremacy. It is. 
That's the only something white supremacists would say. That's what I should have replied. Yeah. It's, let me go back. It's just say, hey, you, you're racist. I'll go back to Instagram. Boom, you win. So, okay. Anyway, we've kind of beat that to death, but you guys get the point. And it's just, it's just, uh, this is a real life example of the things we talk about all the time. And this isn't philosophical speculation no. here. This is real life. People literally went from heroes to zeros. That sucks. <laughs> they lost their job. Okay. Uh, so I want to mix this up a little bit with an Instagram story I've got. And uh, I'm going to give him a shout out because I just thought this was hilarious. All right. And so there's an Instagram uh, person that, who follows us. It's liberty.lur. <laughs> and they are a freedom uh, biased media network. They've only got 100 followers. So y'all go give them a follow. Can you apologize to them? That's what least? I'm going to do okay. right now. Okay. I'm going to apologize and let them know. Hopefully, I think they listen to the podcast. I just, I took this as a perfect opportunity for my own personal uh, laughter and game, okay? <laughs> I just thought it was so funny. And so uh, they reached out to us and they said, hello. <laughs> and so I responded last night and I said, it's me. <laughs> and they said, how's it going this morning? So I responded to them and I said, I was wondering if after all this time you'd like to meet. <laughs> and they wanted to know if that was... Poor Poor guy. They wanted to know if that was on a podcast. And I said, Oh, I said to go over everything. <laughs> and they said, of course, you are in such a dick. They said, of course. And I said, uh, they say that time's supposed to heal you. <laughs> oh my God. So this guy you, was fall, fell victim to the Adele bot on he Instagram. Did. <laughs> he did. It was, it was my Adele bot that I've got going. So Liberty, um, I will reply with just a, imagine like if a, po a, a podcast message. that you liked a lot did that. <laughs> I just wanted to have this time you you wanted to get together and meet. You know, and you're like, oh my god. I just when I read the message last night, I could not get hello. I couldn't get it out of my head. I just kept singing the song. I would so. never. I, I'm not good at responding to things, but at least I don't respond like that. You know. So Liberty Lur, if you listen to the show, um, send me another message. I was just joking around. And you know okay? what? I would like to extend to that person an invitation to be on the Rehumanizing Project. So send me an email, nate at goodmorningliberty.us. Because that was a dick move on Charlie's part. It was not. It was. It not. was. It was this a is dick your lesson, move. folks. You send me hello. <laughs> I like to respond to messages. Which, by the way, I just <clears throat> finally got, don't tell anyone, I got admin privileges back to Facebook. Because my Facebook was deleted three times. <laughs> so I finally got admin privileges back on Facebook. Um, so I'm starting to respond to messages that we have not responded to since uh, October of 2020. Mm. So trying to get back on that. Uh, so you guys hit, a, hit us up everywhere. We love to answer questions and also uh, play sing-along games. So, <laughs> All right. So to cap all of this off uh, from reason right here you know we've been talking about a lot of harmful mandates and the bureaucracy and all that kind of stuff it, it, it actually ends up not really helping the people that they pretend like they're going to help they end up hurting all those people there's so, no way so right. what what would you expect from the biden white house here except for the biden to tell federal bureaucrats to approve regulations with benefits that are impossible to quantify and so I'll tell you what this means, or Reason's going to tell you what it means. It may, it may have gone largely unnoticed amid a flurry of executive orders Biden has signed since taking office less than two weeks ago, but a January 20th memo from the White House to the heads of executive departments and agencies outlines a regulatory framework that will empower federal bureaucrats to count unquantifiable benefits when weighing the potential impact of new regulations. We'll talk about what this means here. Specifically, Biden instructed those officials to revamp the regulatory review processes to promote public health and safety, economic growth, social welfare, racial justice, environmental stewardship, human dignity, equity, and the interests of future generations. Of course. The memo also states that the new regime serves as a tool to affirmatively promote regulations. Towards that end, Biden's memo says his administration will alter the Office of Management and Budget Rules regarding regulations to ensure that the review process fully accounts for regulatory benefits that are difficult or impossible to quantify. So we'll explain what exactly this is changing here. In other words, if a bureaucrat can conceive of a way that new regulations could advance the goals of racial justice or environmental health, those political aims should be counted as benefits 
if even if they can't actually be counted. So they say that's a recipe for more regulation and for less honest assessment, which rules uh, might be worthwhile and and which merely make the appropriate gestures to a political agenda. Now, what this changes, <clears throat> I don't know if you guys know that this was the case, but the regulatory bodies, don't worry, they put in regulations on themselves. When they do a new regulation, they're supposed to do a cost-benefit analysis. Mm. And they're supposed to figure out, is this going to benefit the economy more than it's going to cost? At the end of the day, is there going to be an overall net benefit from this regulation? Who signs off on those? People who aren't elected by anyone. But but they're supposed to direct those departments to make sure that when they decide to do these any of these regulations, these mandates coming down from the unelected bureaucrats at all these different departments, that they make sure that they do a cost-benefit analysis, and that at the end of the day, it's going to help more than it's going to hurt the economy. Well, that is specifically not the case anymore. Because now, instead of quantifying using numbers and being able to prove that this is going to have a benefit, they've now added into the category of benefits something promoting public health and safety, economic growth, social welfare, racial justice, environmental stewardship. So if something promotes racial justice, even if it has an overall negative impact on the economy and, and hurts more people than it actually helps. It doesn't matter. It's still counted as a benefit in the weight for the department. So Just, they no longer have to make sure when they do the cost-benefit analysis that numbers actually were after actually play out in just that like favor. covid wasn't as dangerous <clears throat> during the blm protests because that the protests were more important exactly than the virus exactly because that was promoting racial justice exactly so the numbers didn't matter <laughs> it's, exactly yes. thank you that's a perfect example it is right there and this is yeah. like this is the gymnastics that people go through to make all this make sense for themselves yeah it's like well this is you know obviously is way more important you know just like just like the protests, no more virus. <laughs> it's just uh, I just can't, just can't even right now. Oh, man. Well, so at, how much truth do we have to spit? I don't know, man. On these microphones. You, uh, if if you didn't notice, I put that as the nice little cherry on top for all those little regulations and mandates and rules that we talked about, mm -hmm. hurting people they were supposed to be helping, and then here's our goal. Here's our goal from the administration mm -hmm. right there at the end of it. So Marie said that the YouTube feed messed up. That's why there's no comments on there right now. So huh. I don't know what's going on. It says well, it's streaming on my end. Um, so I can't do anything else about it, man. How does, I don't know what else to do. How to, how to stranger. The same, same, same software here sending out to both, to both of them. So <clears> I'm not Maurice, real sure what to do. He slid, all, he slid on over to the Facebooks, man. Came on over to Facebook. So anyway, uh, speaking of, that right there well, did you read the end here because i thought that this was good oh the last one the yeah. aim the aim right there mm -hmm. quote the aim is to put weight on the scales of whether or not to regulate such that the answer will always be in the affirmative replacing market operation and civil society with government in the pursuit of a range of non-quantifiable goals even without legislation from congress which is which is like mind-blowing and, and that is that that is it. Yeah. This is basically we're turning into China <laughs> light. This is China light. Yep. I'm really glad I didn't short Amazon, by the way. Ooh, are they liking that news? They liking it. They like it. It's going back up. How about that? Squeezing above, them shorts out. It's above the closing. All right, guys, if now. you want to know what we're talking about with the stonks, then you got to got to go to mastermystonks.com. That's mm -hmm. S T O N K S. Mastermystonks.com. Like stonks. Use the promo code SAVE20 to get 20% off your first two months of the class. SAVE20, get 20% off your first two months of the class. We will take you from, you know, the, the government likes to take you from here to zero, but we're going to take from zero to hero over there at mastermystonks.com. We'll take you from don't even know a word yet you're, all you're the way up. You're going to take yourself from zero to hero. Yeah, you are going to take, we're going to, we're going to teach you mm -hmm. the skills to take yourself from zero to hero. And so Christmas coming up this year, when everyone's like, oh, what do you do? And you're like, stonks. And that's all you got to say. Mm -hmm. And they're like, well, I noticed you rolled up in that cyber truck right there. And I was just wondering what it was that you did. And you just say, LOL stonks. That's what you say. <laughs> exactly. And you give them all the websites. So you go to mastermystonks.com 
If you never traded ever a day in your life, this is the class for you because we start from what the heck is trading. And then we go all the way up to talking about crazy stuff that sounds insane, but it's not actually that hard once you learn all the all the words. And you can learn how I made, <clears throat> I personally pocketed over $7,000 last week off all the hype. And I'm up, so far on the year, I'm up over $10,000 in just literally a month. So I had a $10,000 month. Um, that's a really good trading month. If you can make an extra 10,000, which I'm not, we're not guaranteeing these. I'm just saying this is possible. Now, of course I didn't make the hundreds or millions of dollars that some other traders made, but we still made really good profits. So if you're starting from barely even knows a word yet, and you want to go in to taking control of your finances, then this is a class for you. And we, we started the new strategy this year. And took a little bit to get the brokerage open and all, all that kind of stuff. Um, the new strategy you know, has got that account. It's got its own account and it's got that up about 8%. And I think we traded a total of three days now on that strategy, three, maybe four days. Four days. The account, the account is up 8%. If we would have actually had it open and ready to go for the beginning of the year, the account would be up about 20% already. Mm -hmm. So that strategy is going pretty, that's an opening range breakout on earnings. We call it the ERB. So you can learn about that strategy if you want it's to. Herb. We even tell you what stonks in advance we're going to be trading. Everyone knows I'm trading Amazon this morning and I'm trading them tomorrow and I'm trading them Thursday. And man, is it going to be exciting when the market opens tomorrow. It is. There's going to be some fluctuations. I guarantee you that. Y'all sign up on Patreon. We're actually uh, shifting things over to uh, YouTube and then possibly Discord. And so a lot of exciting things going on with that group. And it's still only five bucks a month. That gets you into the live session. I think we're up over, what is it, 60 members now? <clears throat> 65, something like that. Y'all keep joining uh, on Patreon and hanging out with us. It's been a lot of fun. Uh, to and we honestly uh, wouldn't want to do the show without any of y'all. It makes the show so much better, and we have a lot of fun joking around with all these straight capping, funny dudes and ladies that are part of the group. So y'all join up Patreon.com/slash Good Morning Liberty uh, for as little as five bucks a month, and if you sign up for the whole year, you save that fifteen percent. It's a coupon we got from Kroger when they closed some of their stores. They transferred that coupon over our, to our Patreon. Yeah. Somehow. So yeah. uh, patreon.com slash good morning liberty. Then please continue to share the show with a friend so we can continue to boost our numbers. That way we can sell more advertisements and put more money into Liberty. That's the whole goal. That's how this cycle works. So do that. Plus we're hiring someone. So please go to our Facebook, fill out the application. I've got uh, three interviews that I'm scheduling um, and so I want to interview some more people. We want to pick the best person for the job. That's how the free market works. Going to be replacing me soon. So <laughs> go. Uh, the job post is listed. So go to our Facebook if you want to apply for that. And uh, if you've made it this far, then you might as well leave a rating and review. Five stars if you think it's worth it. And if you do all that, we'll be back again tomorrow. Hope you guys have a good day and a good morning. Liberty. Liberty.